The following is a hoop ball presentation. Y'all already know what it is. How is everyone doing? This is a hoop ball presentation. So check out hoopballhoop-ball.com on Twitter at hoopballtweets. It is Tuesday, the 5th of January. It's crazy to say that in the year 2021, but here we are. NBA action is upon us. In fact, by the time you listen to this, like I said Tuesday, it will have been officially two weeks since the season started, which is... It's whack to say. It's actually so crazy. I'm going to look back and make sure that I'm right. Fact-checking live. Um, Yeah, two weeks from when the season first started. And so I figured I would take today and kind of do a look back on some predictions I made, either on Twitter or on Otherwise, earlier episode of this show. Look back, see where I've gone astray and, and what stayed pretty uh, consistent so far, along with just the main overall points of what the season looked like so far. So before we get started, do have to share with y'all. This is, of course, brought to you by HoopBall. There's a bunch of, just a plethora of great content there. Not only our fantasy side on the fancy past, DFS experts, the great, great HoopBall Discord we have, but also in terms of podcast content. I mean, the Fantasy NBA Today is the best show out there right now for fantasy basketball. Dan Bespers does an amazing job. We have several different team podcasts, uh, Mavs cast, Bulls cast, Kings cast, Pelicans cast, Lakers, it, it, this all and on, Clippers, we can go on. There's a bunch, in addition to my own. And of course, I have to share one uh, really prominent uh, support of the show, the promo code brought to you by Manscaped. Uh, reason I'm telling you about them right now is because they're right in front of me. I currently have my little thing of crop wipes, uh, crop mops, if you will. Also have this uh, amazing refined, uh, just who it's just this beautiful refined cologne. Uh, Manscaped, y'all, this is new year. New us, right? Harry nuts are still gross. <laughs> just, just a spoiler alert. Step into the new year with the tree standing ta- tailor and, and shave those boys. Uh, Manscaped here to give you a new rare resolution that you'll actually want to keep. The perfect package 3.0 is the below the belt grooming package you need to start off strong this year. Come out of quarantine with clean balls thanks to the lawnmower 3.0. This waterproof and skin safe trimmer will reduce next year two best friends. Uh, for me, it's three. You got Spalding the basketball, and then you got, you know, thing one and thing two. Third generation trimmer even has a light to shine down to the promised land, so definitely make sure to use that as well. Uh, freshen up down there. That's what the crop preserver is for. Get those crop, crop mops. Anti-chafing deodorant, put that down there, clean yourself up, just get everything you need. Manscaped has it for you. Anti-chafing boxers, uh, uh, easy uh, bag, a shed travel bag, keep all your goodies stored, all of that. Your balls will thank you. I'll thank you. A lot of people will thank you. How can you take advantage of this amazing offer? What is this offer? I'll tell you right now. 20% off plus free shipping with the code HOOPBALL20. H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L-2-0. One more time. HOOPBALL20. H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L-2-0. To get 20% off your order plus free shipping at manscaped.com. Check it out. Your balls. Well, thank you. Alright, so let's start with um, some early predictions. I had the Lakers and Clippers battling at the very top for Western Conference supremacy with the Jazz and the Bla- and the Nuggets somewhere around there for the four and five spots. And then rounding it out, I'd had the Suns, I'd had the Mavs, and then of course uh, the Rockets. And the Rockets were 
kind of dependent on whether or not James Harden was traded. That was kind of the rough configuration of the Western Conference that I had going into the season. Well, each team, or most teams, have already played seven games. And currently, the standings are this. The Clippers are number one in a three-way tie. So they're not number one. In fact, the Lakers are number one. We're going to go with them first. Um, Lakers are number one <laughs> alongside the Clippers and the Suns, all holding a 5-2 and two record. The Jazz and Pelicans are 4-2. and two. Uh, Rockets currently are, are, are in the 60. They're 2-2. Two and two. Remember, they did miss an entire game uh, with the postponement. Thank you, James Harden. Uh, the Blazers are underneath them. They're 3-3 three and three alongside the Golden State Warriors, which is surprising. And the Sacramento Kings, also surprising. All not at 3-3. Three and three. Then you have the Thunder at 2-3. and three. The surprisingly weak-looking Nuggets at 2-4 and four alongside the Spurs, who have had a four-game swoon. They are 2-4. and four. Then the Mavericks, 2-4. and four. Timberwolves, 2-4. and four. And Grizzlies, 2-4. and four. Now, just looking at this from like an like outside looking in, some of these predictions are off. Uh, the Mavericks did miss a game uh, from Luka Doncic. They also have not had Kristaps Porzingis. You still got to win them, but just saying where they are there. The Grizzlies don't have Jaron Jackson Jr. or John Morant, uh, and they are going with an extended period without either of those two, so that could look a lot more rough. Uh, Dito for the Timberwolves, who are missing Carl Anthony Towns uh, and Josh Okoji, and, and Carl Anthony Towns is week to week. And the Timberwolves, to be completely honest, didn't look that good when he was there. Uh, defensively, they're a mess. Offensively, they're disjointed. It is, it's, it's an issue. The Spurs, I've liked the Spurs so far. Uh, that new, faster line they put out there has been great in terms of having Keldon Johnson, who's been a revelation at the power forward spot. You have uh, DeMar DeRozan at three. The backcourt of DeJounte Murray and Lonnie Walker have looked great. And then the five had LaMarcus Aldridge to start. And even though his shooting was pretty rough, uh, it was still a, a spacey unit and one that could get up and down the floor pretty fast. Well, LaMarcus has battled some knee injuries, so you've had Jakob Pertl in there. Uh, and I think not only do you not have that spacing uh, that you know Aldridge did provide, but let's just be real. The Spurs happened to face the Lakers in two games, and they lost both of them. Uh, they're smaller. They're faster. Uh, they're able to get up and down. They're playing a more modern style. But uh, they can just get bludgeoned on the glass, and that's been a factor. That's something that's happened. Uh, when they played the Nuggets, the same thing happened, uh, just not being able to match up on the glass, being out-rebounded, looking very, very small. So uh, that's something to see. They have Derek White, who's returned, so it'll be interesting to see kind of where they are, how that rotation shakes out. And where the Spurs are moving forward, they have some real questions. DeMar DeRozan and LaMarcus Aldridge, Rudy Gay as well, all in uh, expiring deals, all in the final years of their contracts. What is going to be their future moving forward? Are they going to be uh, tempting trade chips uh, for teams to kind of take on, uh, you know, to contend? Because these guys are still playing pretty well. Uh, DeMar DeRozan obviously being the standout, and then I would say Rudy Gay, and then I would say LaMarcus, even though both Rudy and LaMarcus have been pretty rough shooting from the field. The Nuggets... Y'all, the Nuggets, they just look they just look weaker. The loss of Jeremy Grant, uh, it, it was an issue. But it's not just that. I mean, they, they they had some depth issues. You know, they just look weaker. And this is kind of a continued effect. They have Jeremy Grant, um, Malik Beasley, guys from last season. They don't have that juice. Jamal Murray, it, it didn't help that he came into the season not playing like bubble Jamal Murray, just playing like eh, standard Jamal Murray. Not super great. A lot has been put on Nikola Jokic's shoulders to really take this team on it on his shoulders and, and carry them and he's done well for the season right now he is averaging 22 points 11 rebounds 12 assists on 61 percent shooting from the field 43 percent from three in 35 minutes a night that's insane i mean he's had a triple double in two of his last three games and uh only one he missed by 
a rebound was against the Suns, where he finished with 17 points, 11 assists, and 9 rebounds. And he's been shooting efficiently the entire time. But he until that game against the Suns, that win, uh, he, he wasn't really getting a, a lot of help. I'm sorry, not a win. The game against the Timberwolves was a win. Against the Suns, they did lose that game, but that was the one game where Jamal Murray showed up. And Jamal Murray, historically, if you look at it, does tend to show up against the Suns. So maybe that's just Jamal Murray being selective there. But he needs more help especially in the early going right now, where it's still early. You know, teams are still riding themselves into form. That's all the case. But defensively, I mean, yikes. They're 29th out of 30th in defensive rating right now. Offensively, they're good. Jokic powers a a high-powered offense, a high-energy, ball-moving kind of offense. But defensively, they're brutal. Michael Porter Jr. is not solving that for you. Will Barton off the bench is not doing much either. Uh, P.J. Dozier has kind of picked up the, the role that was previously held by Torrey Craig, and he's not doing it as well because he's not that kind of player. Add to that some injuries and some health and safety protocol absences, and you have a Nuggets team that is vastly disappointed out the gate. OKC is interesting. I'm actually watching a little bit of them before I came on here and recorded and You know, they have some nice young pieces mixed with two vets who I would imagine will be on the moving George Hill and Al Horford. But when you look at Shea Gilgis-Alexander, uh, Theo Maladon has actually been pretty good as like a backup kind of point guard spot. That's been good. Hamadou Diallo, uh, wish the guy could shoot. I really wish the guy could shoot. But he's been an offensive spark plug. Lou Dort has played well. Um, Darius Baisley has had moments and has really paced the thunder in scoring and rebounding so far throughout this year, um, especially in key moments. Mike Muscala still hitting threes and making it rain from out there. So they've been good. But, I mean, come on, let's face it. The thunder, they're going to be, I feel, more toward 14-15 by the end of the year than they are right now. If they're able to continue with this scrappiness and, I mean, no one's expecting to be 10th all year, but if they're able to be in that 10 to 12 range, like, more power to them. Maybe there's a lot more bright spots than we thought. The vets were able to instill a positive culture, and the Thunder just grind out some wins. Because right now, I mean, there are interesting team, if you watch. Uh, offensively, points can be hard to come by. I'm not even going to pretend um, to deceive. But defensively, they can junk it up. And, I mean, just looking at them, they're, they're not a horrible team they're a team that's clearly meant to lose some games like a lot of them but there are some signs of the future with this team that i like even now as i'm checking out the thunder actually playing right now as i'm recording uh and they're down uh by 15 at half to miami heat but you know it's the miami heat right and i mean really this thunder team we knew what uh, we knew what they were going to be which is not very good. Um, I'm looking at Shea Gilgis-Alexander and Lou Dort um, specifically. Uh, Darius Baisley as well. Theo Maladon's kind of grown on me. And Alexei Spokoshevsky has had some intriguing talent. But, I mean, we didn't expect this team to contend now, did we? No. And as a playoff team, no. They're not going to surprise you like the Memphis Grizzlies did last year. That's not something that's going to happen for them. But, uh, just to be clear, they're in the middle of the pack defensively, even just outside the top 10 of the defensive end, 13th out of the 30th. It's offensive, like I mentioned, where they suck. Out of 30 teams, they're 29th. 101.5. Not good. Not good. But again, it's all about growth. Continue to move forward. And, you know, that's the sign. You could tell that OKC is at least trying to rebuild the right way. And so, looking at the process, even though it might be painful at times, it's encouraging to see. Sacramento Kings... Now, they have surprised me. I'm not even going to pretend. I figured that they would be in that kind of 10 through 12 spot, to complete, be completely honest with you. Uh, interesting roster, but of average players. I think that they made the big move already when they went and 
signed De'Aaron Fox that max extension, but they had to figure out what was going to happen with Buddy Heald and Bogdan Bogdanovich, and they end up losing Bogdanovich fine. Um, does that make them stronger compared to Buddy Heald? I didn't know. Harrison Barnes is okay. Rashawn Holmes is okay. I mean, I look at these guys that go okay. Uh, drafting Tyrese Halliburton, I was surprised he slipped as far as he did, but I liked him. But then here's the thing. Like, now I like him like him. Halliburton has been a revelation for the Sacramento Kings. So far, 10 points, um, 2 rebounds, and 4 assists a game. Uh, shooting 50% from the field, 50% from 3, 87% from the line. Um, I'm sorry, 57% from 2, 50% from 3, 80% from the line. He has such poise. He's like really a, another guard of the future that you can slot up alongside De'Aaron Fox and just know moving forward that you're going to be okay. And it, it's really cool to see. Um, his growth has been great. Uh, he has missed a little bit, a few games so far now with injury. But all in all, you look at this guy and you're like, okay, there's some real positive signs that we can take away. And besides that, I mean, they've had other key guys step up. Buddy Hield came and saved them with the game winner. Harrison Barnes has come through strong in, in certain moments of this of the season. Uh, De'Aaron Fox has played well, not shooting the ball great from three yet, still. But I mean, there's hope that that could come around. Um, it's a solid team. Defensively, eh, eh, they're in the back half, 20th out of 30th on defensive rating. Offensively, middle of the pack, 14th out of 30th. I mean, that's kind of where I see the Kings. Like, they're in the back half of the West, but they're not like a horrible team. And they have impressed so far with the scrappiness and the fact that maybe Luke Walton finally came to the realization that, hey, I should run more with these Kings. Like, these guys are are, are best in a running game where they're not pressed into overmaxing their capabilities in the half-court set. And look at the results. It's been pretty good. All right, going from there. Kings sat at ninth, Warriors at 8th. Um, they've had an up and down. We've already talked about them several times. If anyone outside of Steph Curry could hit baskets on a consistent basis, the Warriors might be a little better, but we knew what they were going to be, which is back half of the Western Conference, probably sitting right where they should be. I had them more in the ninth to 10th range, but Steph Curry came through with that huge 62-point game, 62 point performance to uh, lead the Warriors over the Blazers, who we'll get to in a second. Might as well tackle both these together. Um, really, you're getting what you expect from the Stars, uh, for the Warriors, Steph Curry, even though he had a slow start, uh, and for the Blazers, uh, Lillard and McCollum have pretty much taken turns stepping up in major ways, but it's really the ancillary pieces that have to come through. Uh, the front court for the Blazers, while defensively solid, offensively has been bereft of much support there. Uh, for the Warriors, we already mentioned it. Uh, what are you looking at? Andrew Wiggins? Kelly Oubre? Come on. Hello. Can I hit a three? That's where we're really at. Uh, the addition of Draymond Green for Golden State should help them with some continuity moving forward. The one guy who can help initiate some ball movement in that starting five alongside Steph Curry, as, long, as well as the last kind of link between the championship warriors that can still get players where they need to be, even though they aren't the same caliber of players of the Warriors of old. For the Blazers, I mean, they're solid. They still have issues defensively. Uh, there's still games, I think, where Yusuf Nurkic can be taken out completely. And as Cantor, he giveth and he taketh away in spades on the defensive end uh, for the offensive trade-off you got. You have to wonder what uh, Coach Stotts is going to be doing as far as balancing the minutes of Gary Trent with Carmelo Anthony and guys who should really get minutes. Anthony Simons in the mix somewhere there. Uh, the lack of a point guard for the Blazers long-term is, is outside of Lillard as a backup. It's an issue. I mean... I don't know. I After everyone play, praised, myself included, the Blazers for such a strong offseason, I mean... It's been weird. The results have been mixed so far. Uh, speaking of mixed results, same kind of goes with the Houston Rockets. What really to make of them so far? Christian Wood has been a revelation. He is, in my mind, early, early, early um, shoe-in for most improved player. The way he's been playing has been insane. James Harden, I mean, we've talked about all of the mess that James Harden has done, and he's done a bunch of things, but 
when he gets on the court, as as of now, the results are still very much positive. Uh, right now, the Rockets currently sit 13th in offensive rating, 21st in defensive rating. Not really the strongest suit of them, but they have some guys who can junk it up and make things interesting. Daniel House, uh, Jay Sean Tate, uh, as a rookie, has been playing pretty well. P.J. Tucker's been solid. David Nwapa's been okay. David Nwapa's been okay. John Wall. John Wall has shown some athleticism that, I mean, we haven't seen in two years. Didn't think we'd see um, completely at all, and it's been really cool to see. So a lot of this, again, comes down to the future of James Harden. If he stays with this team... Where are the Rockets going to stay? Probably sixth, I'd say. Fifth or sixth. I said eighth, but looking at the way Christian Wood's playing now, I have to look back and maybe walk back a little bit of that. Because so far, wow, the guy has, in the short roll, you know, pick and pop, pick and roll, finishing, rebounding. I mean, the guy is everywhere. It's even some slight, slight playmaking. It's good to see um, Christian do his thing. It really is. And, and Harden, still lighting it up, scoring his prime and playing like it. So, you gotta, you gotta like where Houston's going. Again, it comes down to what James Harden wants to do. Right now, he's finally saying the right things, or starting to kind of get around to saying the right things. So that is encouraging to see. Uh, but uh, again, we have really no way of knowing, and all signs still show Harden leaving, which leaves me in a hard spot as far as where to place Houston. I mean, where do you, where do y'all put him? I don't know. Let me know on Twitter at Corbin NBA uh, if we think in the same thing. But right now. So far, so good, and that's all you can ask for for a Houston team that is trying to figure out where they're going. And, I mean, their future, outside of Christian Wood, I mean, I don't know. New Orleans, the Pelicans, they've been pretty solid, led by Brandon Ingram, who has been playing amazing. I said this on Twitter. I'm going to say it on the air right now. Ingram, for me, is a shoe-in right now as an early candidate for the MVP race. Since everyone is doing it, I might as well do it as well. I'm going to put a dark horse on Ingram. Of course, the Pelicans need to win more games, all that good stuff. Maybe... Ingram needs to have a signature game or two to really fill in the narrative box. But ultimately, I love the way that Brandon Ingram has played. Uh, This roster for the Pelicans is still kind of weird to me, if I had to be completely honest. Not really having a whole lot of shooting. Um, You do have Steven Adams on the floor. You do have Eric Bledsoe, who's a 30% three-point shooter, and Lonzo Ball, who's slightly better. and, and very slightly in that in that case, not very good. Um, your only one real shooter is Brandon Ingram, especially when you're surrounding him alongside uh, Zion Williamson, who's not a shooter as of yet, hasn't made a three this season so far. And offensively, while Zion's okay, if you look at him, his energy level seems a little different. His defense has gotten worse, which is saying a lot because it wasn't great to begin with. But I mean, I I don't know where to go with it right now. You know, like it's it's um it's definitely something to monitor. But right now, Sam Van Gundy has the Pelicans playing a lot better basketball. Just a lot better. I mean, health is an important thing. I do want to give a little bit of that to the fact that players are available, which isn't something, unfortunately, that Alvin Gentry had the luxury of having last year. You can judge Alvin Gentry on Pelicans iterations uh, years before, but last year, if we're going to take that same roster, minus Stephen Adams, minus Eric Bledsoe, and say, why didn't it come to its you know best possible team? I mean, he didn't have these players for half of the time. So I hesitate to say that Stan Van Gundy's an upgrade over Gentry, even though I will say that, but I do because I don't think that Gentry got a fair shake with that team. So that's my thoughts there. But Ingram, going back to Ingram, 24 points, 6 rebounds, 5 assists, 46% shooting, 42% from 3, um, just under a steal and a block per game. He's making an impact. He's been the offensive fulcrum for this Pelicans team and, and, a, and a real reason why they've had some success lately. In fact, um, a lot of the offense responsibilities, and that might be something you have to look at down the stretch, really fall on Ingram and Zion. 
you hope you have a good game from uh, Lonzo knocking down some threes or, or, you know, Bledsoe doing something. Maybe once in a while, uh, Adams will take advantage of mismatches and, and go down there, get some points. Josh Hart and J.J. Redick, the three balls are falling. That's good to see. But, I mean, if we're being completely honest, the offense runs and lives and dies with Brandon Ingram and, to a lesser extent, Zion Williamson. And, I mean, so far, they've delivered okay. Uh, defensively, they've been really solid. They're third in defensive rating so far. Again, early sample size, but we get it. Offensively, yeah, 21st out of 30. But again, you're putting your offense on two guys and then hoping you get enough from your ancillary pieces to really round it out and make things work. So I'm not totally surprised by that number there. Uh, Jazz, uh, Donovan Mitchell, that's the story. He's had some rough shooting numbers. He's starting to round back into form a little bit. Uh, but he was shooting horribly. Good thing is, he's had help from other guys. Uh, Badanovich played decently. Conley's played well. Um, Rudy Gobert's given you, you know, $228 million worth of rebounding. I mean, you know, he's doing what he does, so there you go there. Solid team. Uh, just got to work that, hope that um, Donovan Mitchell starts to find more efficient shots. His efficiency, because he's a high-volume kind of scoring guard, is going to fluctuate, I think. I don't think you're going to get very efficient shooting from him long-term, but, I mean, hey. You know, you, you get what you get, you make do with what you have, and uh, with Mitchell, you do have an all-star caliber player who just needs to find the basket more often. All right, Lakers, Suns, Clippers, that trifecta, we're going to tackle them all together. Uh, Lakers so far, their depth is obviously showing. Dennis Schroeder, Montrez Harrell, uh, Wesley Matthews come on strong as of late. To a lesser extent, Marcus Saul have really helped the Lakers, especially when they've had a couple of games now where they haven't had very strong performances by LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And when I say strong performances, I don't mean strong in terms of general NBA player strong, because if that's the case, then yes, they had strong performances. I mean strong relative to what LeBron and AD can consistently provide. I think that's fair to say. And, you know, they had games where they haven't been superb, and they haven't had to, because the Lakers can still sustain uh, those losses with their play. So, so far, so good for LA. For Phoenix, I mean... They lost a tough one to the Clippers yesterday. We already talked about that, but they were down by 31. They came back, scrapped and clawed, made it a one-point game at one point uh, late in the, in the third quarter. Uh, you know, this Suns team is good. I do wonder about scoring outside of Devin Booker and Chris Paul in terms of ISO creation, uh, but they have enough guys who can put the ball in the basket. They have enough defenders. They have some scrappiness that I like about them. Monty Williams has them playing well, um, you know, just playing uh, with well-rooted. I'm looking for the word. I want to say scrappiness twice, but playing in a with a grit. You know, like, hey, every game's going to be tough. And yeah, you may jump on us like the Clippers did yesterday, but then we're going to come back and we're going to make things we're going to make things tough. That's what we're going to do two days ago. My mistake. So I like what Phoenix is. Do I look at them as that top three in the West moving forward? No, but I mean, the way it is, I could see them maybe getting as high as fourth or fifth. It's not crazy. Chris Paul did it to a much, much inferior roster last year with the OKC Thunder. You got someone in Devin Booker who's a top shooting guard in the league and a very strong team around him. Just saying. And the Clippers playing well. Paul George playing a lot stronger this season. Uh, he did comment that he's getting a lot more trash talk the past month than he's gotten in the past 10 years. And yeah, I mean, look at the season you had last year, Paul George. Like, it wasn't actually that bad statistically, but the highs, they were good, and the lows, they were low. You know, hitting off the side of the backboard, talking more than your play would back up. It was rough. So, you know, to see uh, Paul George kind of come and take the Clippers, you know, and lead them right now, especially Kawhi Leonard. Uh, you know, he did have an unfortunate facial injury, but he's also had some pretty slumping shooting percentage over the last couple of games. That's good to see by PG. So far, the bench is pretty good. Uh, Luke Kennard's playing a little bit better than he originally was. Nick Batum has done pretty solidly as well. And, yeah, 
you have a Clippers team that we knew they were going to be good, and they're playing well. But it's good to see that Paul George is kind of taking the lead there, especially considering much of the vitriol that he's received, from myself included, uh, over the past eight months. Right, throw it to the Eastern Conference side. Going to go from the top down this time. 76ers. I mean, they've just been dominant. Joel Embiid playing like another MVP candidate. Doc Rivers isn't playing well, moving the ball around. Ben Simmons is playing dominantly. Uh, shooters are giving you some some much-needed space. Uh, you would think that the 76ers would have learned from their last good team and adopted that last year, but they didn't, and now they have, so that's good. Then you have the Pacers, Magic, Cavs, Hawks, and Celtics. Well, Pacers, Magic, Cavs, Hawks, all with the same record, 4-2. and two. Pacers have been a solid team. Don't really know what to add to them aside from... Uh, DeMontis Sabonis playing well. Victor Oladipo looking a lot healthier. Malcolm Brogdon, um, again, playing solidly as well. For the Magic, Markel Fultz has been a revelation for them, but you also had steady contributions by Nikola Vucevic and Evan Fournier. They've been good. The Cavs, the Cavs have been great. I mean, Andre Drummond's getting up his gaudy numbers, and that's all well and good. But the Sexton backcourt, yes, Colin Sexton, Darius Garland, Sexton, that's totally a thing. They have been on fire. Um, Colin Sexton has improved again so far in the early going as far as shooting um, and scoring and, and really leading the Cavs in that area, making offense for them. That's been great. Uh, he's kind of been a little bit quiet in terms of um, impact on the offensive end in general. But And we talked about this a little bit when the draft started and the, and the Cavs picked him overall and kind of where our thought process was. But I was very very, very encouraged with the selection of Isaac Okora, thinking that he fit a perfect need for this Cavs team. And, I mean, so far, it hasn't been horrible for him. So far, so good. He had a very strong preseason, very strong opening season. I mean, he kind of is a player that he is right now, which is, you know, someone who's his offensive uh, three-point stroke looks better. But offensively, whatever you get from his gold, and defensively, you, you want to get that lockdown uh, impact on that end. And I really see him with a future here on this team. And I feel like I just want to give him some love. He hasn't made, I haven't watched enough of him over the last two, three games to give um, any proclamations one way or the other for him. But I will say that I liked what I've seen so far from him. I'm glad, again, that they made that selection. I do think he fits perfectly on this team. I do want to see kind of how this team looks when Kevin Porter Jr. is available and able to play and kind of where they go with that swingman position, that two, that three spot. Um, And Isaac Hoare has only played two games so far this season. But, like, it's interesting. It's interesting. And I am excited to see what happens. So, that's a lot of fun there. Uh, moving on from the Cleveland Cavs to the Atlanta Hawks, we've talked about their high-powered offense again and again so far, but, I mean, Trey Young is pacing a very good offense with a subpar to below-average defense. Not gosh-awful. Eh, it's kind of gosh-awful. But it makes for fun basketball. And in fun basketball, it may not always be blowouts, because if you can score and the other team can also score, then that makes it a fun, if not high-scoring basketball game, which is a lot better than some of the blowouts we've seen. So, I'm not complaining. Boston. I mean, they're 4-3. and three. Uh, Lack of depth has really hurt them. They've had to get more um, play from guys who should be coming off the bench for them. Uh, Tristan Thompson alongside Daniel Tyson in the front court is an interesting, if not mismatched, pairing against most front courts in the NBA, especially where their foreman is someone who can create the dribble, uh, see the Brooklyn Nets and Kevin Durant. So that's been interesting. But aside from that, uh, they've gotten some very strong performances from Jalen Brown so far, who over the last three games decided that he is not going to miss a single basket with just astoundingly high percentages from the field. It's been great. Jason Tatum's been solid. Uh, Jeff Teague's come in a little bit and helped, but I think they are really, really, really missing Kemba Walker. Okay, I don't think. I know. We all know it. So once he comes back, I think we get more accurate representation of what the Celtics are. But right now, I mean, they're treading water. They're six in the East. They will be a playoff team, but you wish they didn't have to make it so hard. The Knicks, 
yes, the Knicks are 3-3. Three and three. It's not crazy. They've been playing okay. Coach Tibbs is doing his best to kind of get that defense going. Uh, we'll say one thing about them. If you watch, they, they have that scrappiness that they talked about all last year about having. Remember that whole, oh, we're going to make every night at the Garden tough and yada, 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 and this and that. Well, this year, I mean, it's actually kind of looking that way. I'm not going to lie. They look, dare I say, competent out there on the court. Their eighth in defense uh, offensively is still somewhat of a grind. They're 27th in offensive rating. But Julius Randle so far is having the makings of a career year. 21 points, 10 rebounds, and 7 assists so far in the early going. R.J. Barrett's had some good shooting games, just some bad shooting games, but so far, Satlin doesn't look horrible. 17 points, 7 rebounds, 3.5 assists tonight. Uh, And then you know you're getting some good scoring from Alec Burks, who's averaging 20 points, 3 rebounds, and 3 assists. Elver Payton, 13 points, and 4 assists. Offson Rivers has been a spark off the bench and a solid vet as well. And that's kind of where the Knicks are. I I don't see them making the playoffs. I'm not going to lie. They're going to have a a, a slump that's going to be rough. But the way they're playing right now, uh, through six games, is more encouraging than I saw through most of last year. Because even last year, uh, led by Marcus Morris, it didn't feel sustainable. There was nothing that you could look and go, okay, you know what? These Knicks are taking something that they can keep moving forward, you know? And and we saw that once Morris left and the Knicks just fell apart. Milwaukee Bucks are eighth. That's surprising. A lot of this comes down to percentages and tiebreakers and stuff like that. They'd be in the playoffs. They'll be fine. Uh, you know, they've just had some weird disjointedness. Defensively, they have some hiccups once in a while. Offensively, they're doing all right. I mean, they did knock down an NBA uh, record 29 three-points against the Heat uh, just last week. I'm not really too worried about them. The Nets, same thing. They're 3-4. and four. Kevin Durant, news-wise, uh, is going to be on a, a protocol uh, for health, a positive COVID-19 test or around somebody that had it. So he will not be available for more than likely the next four of the Nets games, which could be something different. It could definitely be something different because Kevin Durant has been a man on a mission for Brooklyn. Again, I hate to bring up another possible MVP candidate, but if we're talking about one, Kevin Durant would be one for Brooklyn. He is playing amazingly um, down the stretch for them. He is looking fully recovered from his injury in a way that, I mean, as best you can expect, 28 points a game, seven rebounds, four and a half assists a night. I mean, the guy's making it look easy. Yeah, he missed a game against the Wizards, whatever. The guy's still looking solid. Uh, The loss of... Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, that'll be interesting to see, especially since, unfortunately, just at that time that you lost Dinwiddie uh, for the rest of the year, uh, Karis Avert's shot fully escaped him, so that's something. I, again, talked about this yesterday, but I really, really, really don't understand why DeAndre Jordan continues to start at center over Jared Allen. Does not make any sense to me. Joe Harris has been solid. Kyrie Irving has been great. Um, it's been it's been the the Hydra. Is that what it is, to the two-headed Hydra? Is that is that a thing? I think so. I think I'm saying it right, but uh, Kevin Durant averaging 28 points a game, Kyrie Irving averaging 26, 26 points, 4 rebounds, and 5 assists, just a tick under Kevin Durant and everything, a perfect one-two punch for those guys. Defensively need to work, definitely, um, on the boards as well, they're not horrible there, but I mean, they could be a lot better, uh, and then looking at their offensive defense and rating, they are 14th in defensive rating, they are 7th in offense, Steve Nash so far is having a solid uh, start as a coach, and we'll just forget the fact that the Nets have lost 3 out of 4. That doesn't need to be brought up, right? <laughs> They'll be fine, right? All right. Bulls are three and four. Uh, they've had some ups, so they have some downs. Not really sure what to make of them just yet. Zach Levine and Kobe White had an encouraging uh, lead to the Bulls' last win uh, two nights ago, so that's good to see. The Heat are two and three. Uh, they're still trying to find their bearings. Not a whole lot to take away from there. The Hornets, only thoughts I have about them is to start LaMelo Ball. Davante Graham has looked horrible out of the gate. 
And this is almost reminiscent of last season when... This isn't to say that last season Terry Rozier looked horrible at the game, but Terry Rozier was penciled in, you know, as a kind of starting point guard for the Hornets, and it, it didn't work out. I mean, it didn't work out not because he was incompetent. Terry Rozier had a more than effective year, but because Devontae Graham was so much better there. So they were able to work it out by putting Devontae at the one, sliding Terry Rozier at the two, and all was well. Well, right now, I mean... If you're looking at Lamelo's stats, 11 points, four rebounds, four assists. He's not shooting super great. 42, uh, 42 percent from 41 percent from two, 42 percent from three. He's actually shooting better from three than from two. But compare that to Devontae Graham right now. Nine points, three rebounds, seven assists. Okay. Shooting. He is shooting 20 percent on twos. 28 percent on threes. The guy's not finding the basket. He's not effective right now. A pause for dramatic effect, but it just isn't very good. Um, P.J. Washington, I mean, they gave him big hopes of playing more with him right now through the ball and being more of a playmaker. I mean, he's done what you'd expect, which isn't a whole lot with that. Uh, 11 points, 5 rebounds, 2 assists. Room for growth, of course, but, I mean, I thought that all the hype around P.J. Washington being this kind of uh, floor-spacing, playmaking forward when you have Terry Rozier, Devontae Graham, LaMelo Ball, and Gordon Hayward there was kind of far-fetched, and it's looking that way. Speaking of Gordon Hayward, very solid start to year for him. 18-5-5, playing well, shooting efficiently, 35% from three, really helping these guys out a little bit, really helping with the scoring load. He is second in scoring uh, behind Terry Rozier, who has started out on fire this year. 23 points, three rebounds, two assists. He's going out there for one thing and one thing only to fill it up, and he's doing a pretty good job at it. So props to a guy who knows his role and is doing it to the best of his ability there. Uh, Moving down to the Wizards, I mean... I'm just going to defend the hate that Russell Westbrook's gotten because I don't get it. The Wizards are better with him on the floor than they are with him off. The problem is not him or Bradley Beal. It's literally the rest of the roster. Uh, Donis Bertans is still working his way back into shape. Defensively, this team is horrible. Um, you don't have enough guys outside of Russell Westbrook and uh, Bradley Beal to create their own offense. And let's be real. Like, you really don't have a lot of great shooters. You have some really good ones. Donis Bertans, Bradley Beal, um, Denny Advija has had a decent year so far. Rui Hachimura had a strong start from three. Um, and then he's been out, remember, because he had that eye infection. So that's been a thing. And we know Russell Westbrook isn't going to give you anything from the three-point line or very, very little. And honestly, the less said about that, the better. So I just feel it's weird. That being said, that encouraging win over the Brooklyn Nets, uh, a team that, by all accounts, is a contender, even if the defense on that was horrible and they kind of sweated out for sure, there's some hope there that if the Wizards' offense can come together and really uh, be an above-average offense in a, in a major way that can make up for their lackluster defense, it isn't going to improve. I mean, unless you see massive gains from Bradley Beal on the defensive end, which I haven't seen yet, or, or Russell Westbrook, which I don't think is a thing right now, um... Yeah, it's just not something that's going to happen. Right now, defensively, they're 26 out of 30th, so that's horrible. Of course, offensively, they're 11th. If they can get that up to 9th, 8th or 9th, and keep that defensive rating about the same, I think they'll be fine. I don't think they can get the defensive rating that much better, but I definitely do know from watching them that they can get a little bit worse. So, I mean, you know, spruce up the offense, maybe some more baskets get found. Troy Brown Jr., where does he fit into this rotation? Uh, looking more at that fit between Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal. It hasn't looked horrible. I mean, it's sort of the same thing of what Russell Westbrook was with Paul George, except Bradley Beal is a lot more potent right now, it seems, on the offensive end than than um, than George was uh, two years ago for them in OKC. But remember, that year that George was on five, that MVP year, quote-unquote, it was, it was a pretty good year. Uh, but yeah, that's my thoughts on that. And then last but not least, the Detroit Pistons, which... Uh, I don't know. Um, they're not good right now. They're just not. I mean, I will talk about Jeremy Grant 
you know, I talked about him a little bit yesterday, so I feel like I'm going to say it again, but he wanted a bigger role. He's gotten a bigger role. Uh, the Timber, the the Pistons are 1-5. and five. Is that a coincidence? I think not. I'm only being slightly facetious um, in saying that. Um, I do think that he's actually done okay. You know, he's, he's shown a lot more on-ball versatility. He's attacking the basket um, with a lot more fervor. His shooting's been pretty decent. He's definitely taken some shots of someone who thinks he's the number one option. And he's done pretty solidly for the Pistons so far. He's leading them in scoring. 22 points, 5 rebounds. He is not passing the ball very well. An assist and a half a game. But I guess it's not his job. And his efficiency's not bad. 50-40% from 2, 33% from 3 on 7.5 attempts a night. Uh, Blake Griffin, man, uh, I don't know. I don't know, Blake. I feel sorry for him. He's only played in 4 games. He was out for... Couldn't speak there. Concussion protocol. Um, averaging 15 points, 5 rebounds, and 3 assists. Uh, but he's shooting eight threes a night to lead the Pistons by literally uh, a wide margin. Uh, he's knocking that down to 39% clip. That's not bad at all. Uh, not really getting to the free throw line too much, like at all. Um, not really playing more inside. He's playing more like a like a playmaking shooting five. Uh, he got burned, absolutely burned by uh, <laughs> Jason Tatum on a game winner for the Celtics two nights ago. So that was kind of sad to see. His lateral quickness is gone. On the defensive end, it's gone. I mean, the guy looks stiff out there. He has skill, and that skill is still showing itself in a major way, in a way he's able to make an impact. But he just looks several steps slow and, and totally out of it. And I feel really bad. But, I mean, maybe he'll look better in limited minutes on a contender. But with that contract, you probably see him in Detroit for at least another year. Just sad to see. Mason Plumlee's actually played okay. Yeah, the big money man for Detroit. Eight points, ten rebounds, three assists. Um, somehow he's able to do that and not make a tremendous impact when you watch him on the floor. But, you know, screen assists are a thing. Uh, someone who can set solid picks and rolls to the basket and occasionally gets an iso hook shot. Derek Rose, efficiency's not been super great, but 14 points, five assists. He's been the better point guard for the Pistons when you look at Killian Hayes, who's gotten the starts, but so far four points and four assists tonight on some pretty bad shooting percentages. I'm not even going to mention them, but let's just say low 20s. One bright spot for the Pistons has been Josh Jackson. Uh, he did have suffer a nasty ankle injury two games ago, but for the season, 15 points, four rebounds, two assists, shooting a three ball. Uh, it looks a lot better when you watch it in game than it does on his percentages. He's shooting 31% on just under five a game, but he's looking a lot more assertive, and maybe this is where he puts it all together. And yeah, is he a number four pick? Looking back, if you do any type of redraft, no. I don't even know if I have him in the back half of the lottery, but he's someone who has talent that wasn't fully realized for most of it his own fault. Others, maybe the team he was on with Phoenix and, and Memphis not really figuring out where he fit, but so far in Detroit, I think he's found his footing and has been pretty solid to see. So bright spot for Detroit because they need him. Right, so that's kind of my re-look, my look back on this team uh, after two weeks. I definitely saw teams like the Bucks, like the, you know, like the Celtics at the upper end of the Eastern Conference. The Raptors, the Raptors, oh my gosh, almost forgot about the Raptors, didn't I? Whew, Raptors, they've been disappointing. I mean, that's the quick thing to say, one and four. Pascal Siakam has looked terrible. A lot of their offense coming from Kyle Lowry and Fred Van Vliet. OG Anobi has not taken the offensive step up that anyone, I guess, imagined, uh, even though he did get a pretty uh, decent extension. I think you look at this team and you wonder, okay, if they keep losing games like this because they don't have a clear number one option and you're relying a lot on overmatched, undersized guards, do they think about moving Kyle Lowry to a contender? Do they think of doing right by him? I don't know. I mean, I think that he's still still too early. I think he has too much equity with this team to to want to ask out. But right now, I mean... They don't look good on either end of the floor. Um, and offensively, I mean, the loss of... I mean, they don't look good on either end of the floor because Pascal Siakam has either fought out of games super-duper early or he has games where he just doesn't know how to put the ball in the basket. And 
most of this season, he's had games where both of those have been the case. So, eh, not super good look for him. Uh, aside from that, I mean, I don't know where you fix this team. Uh, and it's sad because defensively, they're not the worst. Like, if you look at them consistently, they're fourth. They're not bad. Which is saying a lot because it's not like I see teams actually having problems scoring against them. But offensively, they are dead. I repeat, dead last offensive rating so far. Very early, but 30th out of 30th. Um, the Aaron Baines uh, step up to the plate for Marcus All and uh, Serge Ibaka has not looked pretty good. Chris Boucher has been a great offensive piece for the Raptors, but rebounding has been just something he has had no interest in doing, it seems, because they have just been thoroughly out rebounding he's on the floor. Uh, yeah. I mean, you have some balanced scoring, but not one guy is averaging 20 points a game. Your leading scorer is Fred Van Vliet and then Kyle Lowry, like I said. Uh, after that, Pascal Siakam, and then you're looking at like Chris Boucher and, and OG Ananobi, and that's just not enough. Your bench is giving you next to nothing um, aside from Boucher, and, and that's just unfortunate, and I don't know. I don't know why. I just don't feel like it, that energy, the, the, the passion, the, the fun. They're a well-coached, you know, good execution team, but it's not it's not always showing itself. And it really hasn't shown itself so far. Maybe it's just playing in Tampa. Maybe Tampa does that to you. Maybe it's the Tampa effect. I'm, I'm going to start calling it that. That's why Toronto's been bad this year. It's the Tampa effect. Keep Lowry. Don't trade him. Wait till you go back to Toronto next year when things get a little better. And then he'll be back. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Right. Uh, one of my hot takes, I already dropped him here, was that Brandon Ingram uh, will be in the MVP conversation. It's still very early to do that, but I just did. Best rookie. I thought that Anthony Edwards uh, would be the rookie of the year um and if not him then obi toppin obi toppin has been out due to injury and will be out for a little bit more while anthony edwards eh, i figured that he would just get a lot of run on this team um that they would just showcase and play him at the three um he's gonna come off the bench and i mean i'm just gonna say it 13 points two rebounds two assists yeah no not right now right now i think if you're looking at rookie of the year you're definitely looking at tyrese halliburton that that's just my overall take. Uh, I looked at Anthony Davis as MVP going into the season as someone that will be in that conversation. And while he's played okay, he's not been that guy um, to start. I mean, numbers are perfectly fine: twenty-one points, eight rebounds, and three assists. But you have Nikola Jokic averaging triple doubles. You have other guys playing strong in major ways. So that's something to be said there. And yeah, I I, I still think the Lakers are the number one team. We'll have to see how that shakes out on the Eastern Conference. I was very, very, very bullish on the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, just kind of getting back to where they were because they're that type of team in the regular season. Um, and then barring that, I was hopeful that the 76ers would do what they've been doing, which, I mean, so far, I look pretty good on that. So that's my early takes there. Who would have thunk the Cavs and the Hawks would be where they are? And in about two weeks' time when I come back and do this again, I am going to have fun kind of seeing where they are uh, relative to where they were today. Anyway, that'll do it here for this look back, hot take, reflection type two-week check-in. I'm going to find a name for this, y'all. I really am. But that's been it for NBA Today. Y'all know where to find me on Twitter at CorbinNBA. Make sure to check out HoopBallHoop-Ball.com online, Hoop-Ball.com on Twitter at HoopBallTweets. Check out Manscaped.com. Get yourself a crop mop. Get yourself that refined cologne. I'm smelling it right now, and it smells amazing, y'all. I'm not even playing with y'all. I said it yesterday. I'll say it again. I may find myself a girlfriend yet. 20% off plus free shipping. HoopBall20, H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L-2-0. And with that, I am out, y'all. I am Frosty. Y'all stay frosty, and I will talk to y'all tomorrow. I am y'all.
This has been a Hoop Ball presentation.